Is Steph Curry back? What do the Rockets need to do to adjust? Is this a battle for the future of basketball? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show slash conversation with Dave. As always, I'm joined by Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA and a lively game we had in Oracle tonight, Dave. Uh, let's kick it off with a, uh, an observation or two from you. Well, uh, if Steph Curry's going to play like this, it's a wrap. <laughs> Super <laughs> Saiyan. Mean, woo! Uh, you know, I, I felt at first he came out of the gate playing the way you and I discussed before, you know, letting the game kind of come to him. He was just missing shots. And then he came back in after a brief rest on the bench, and it really felt like he was forcing the issue with the jumper. But the, the lane has been there for him. He's been getting to the hoop. He's been finishing well. And then after halftime, he came out, and it's like he made a, a – that was the goal. I want to go to the basket. I want to attack the rim. And, I mean, he was incredible. And then he hit, you know, the 30-footer, and it was like, here are the floodgates. And, right. and so now, you know, I get this question like three or four times, hey, does Steph look healthy? He still doesn't. I mean, I still think his legs just don't look quite right under him on his shot. He's using a lot more of his upper body than, than we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- with that being said – I, I think part of his, his poor shooting in this series has been a confidence issue. Uh, he shot well against the Pelicans coming back. Certainly there's some physical stuff with the shooting, but but I, to me the, shoot, the, the physical issues were about his defense and the lack of the quick first step, like when he was trying to get around Capella. But tonight he looked, he looked really good, uh, especially in that third quarter. Yeah, and Eric for three bang uh, said, "Ugh, here we go. When when he's bad, he's injured. When he's good, he's back." And he's right. It is a it's it's a subject that just is not even worthy of discussing too much. I was surprised to hear the good reporting uh, during the game about Brandon uh, Payne talking, his trainer talking about how he's a hundred percent. They ran him through every diagnostic test to see how he would react. So uh, that's a pretty good, you know. They didn't have to say any of that to sort of back that up. So either way, I I think it was more confidence than anything else for for. Sure sure at my problem I had in the second quarter was that um the uh the shots he was taking are not the kind of shots you take to get out of a slump and I, I know the shrillist was over there yelling at me saying those are all good shots and you should just let them fly but I don't know when you're struggling like that and he was what like you know two for 15 over the last 15 shots you need you, you need to find that rhythm you need to find an open catch and shoot something like that get him off ball and try to find it that way um, and once that happened, boom, you can see that super Saiyan mode, uh, unbelievable uh, what he did there in that third quarter. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, and there's no question that the, the Warriors are unbeatable when Steph Curry is like that. Uh, that is just too much to handle because guess what? If he isn't, if he goes cold a little bit or you just go to KD who starts hitting pull-up jumpers over guys on crossovers, it's over. It's done. Forget it. I think the bigger injury story in this series is actually Chris Paul. Um, whatever that Achilles, the calf thing that you and mm-hmm. I talked about before, um, that seems to be really affecting him. Um, yeah. At least that's the only it's the only reason I could come up with for him to to be as bad as he's been. Um, I mean, tonight he was he was terrible tonight. Uh, um, I felt like well, he was, he was he, foul he, hunting quite a bit. He hit some shots late, but the game I mean the game was a wrap during the competitive portion of the game. I really felt like he was just not quite right. Um, but the uh, the, the foul hunting tonight started really early, and that's that's not like him. I mean, usually, you know, he gets into the flow of the game before you see him really starting to 
to uh, look for calls. And yeah, it was it was it was a rough performance by Chris Paul. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, that's true. I mean, he it looked like he was. Here's my issue, and this is this is going to go down to the the root of the, the the problem I have with the Rockets and with the whole. We did a video on this when the I think the title was something like "Is James Harden Killing Basketball?" Uh, a couple months ago. Here's the problem I have. There were so many moments of ISO, triple threat ISOs. You know, the ball is stagnant. You have a wall. We were talking about a wall. Remember back when, uh, um, in 2015, when LeBron was ISOing on the elbow the whole time and they could just wall it up? It was like, it was even worse than that tonight a lot of the time. Um, I don't even want to watch that. And Harden hit a step back three in Steph's face when there was when there was that was the only option he had on Twitter. I showed the video saying like I don't want to watch that when you only have one option. That is to simply do a step back, completely contested three pointer that you know you have a a really low chance of making, and he made it. Uh, it's just and then by the way, I can make a video. And I'm probably going to do this. Just a dichotomy of cutting layup, cutting layup, pin down, throw wide open three, and then you watch the Rockets and you go back and forth and you see that they're just literally isoing standstill, no movement. Um, if this is a battle for the soul, not only do I think I don't like it, but I think that the Warriors are going to show you that it ultimately won't work. You know, uh, one of the big questions, and you were probably asked the same thing, but one of the questions I was asked coming into this series: What happens if Harden's not hitting the step back? And what yeah. happens when the role players, when Gordon, Tucker, and Arizo, those three in particular, when they're not hitting their shots? Well, I think we saw tonight. You know, if Gordon's not going to show up, then then the Rockets do not stand a chance, and it's Warriors in five. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing I want to make a point about that is, okay, both these teams rely very heavily on the three-pointer. So what you you could ultimately have is, you know, it, it, it's probably going to be rare that you're going to get both teams sort of shooting well. So you're going to have, you know, a blowout by one team, a blowout in the other. It's all over the place. And, you know, maybe one out of seven, we're going to get a game, right, where they're both, like, hitting and they're both playing well. Uh, that's the fear. I don't know if that's a reality necessarily, but that's sort of what we've seen so far. And we ha- I'm trying to extrapolate into the future, five, ten years from now, when more and more teams completely embrace this and more and more players are able to play this way. Uh, that is why I feel like the NBA will be a completely different game in ten years. And it might be unwatchable. I don't, I don't know. I know we've talked about, hey, if we can generate 50 good threes a game, then you should shoot 50, 50 good threes a game. Um, I don't know. I don't think I would want to watch that. I, honestly, I don't know. Um, it, it might be That might be too many or 50 or 60, whatever that number is. But there's definitely a number that's going to be too high for me. The variability is too great. Um, and you're going to have – it's just all over the place. It's not what we would I – don't, I don't know if it's pleasing to the fan. Yeah, a 41-point – margin of victory in a conference finals matchup that we've waited on for all season is not a good look. Um, But with that being said, I I do think that, you know, you, you, this, the trend sort of zig and zag, right? So the threes are obviously they're going up, but as the defenses adjust, we see teams like San Antonio, uh, even Houston this year, taking the mid range, not to the extent that San Antonio does, but San Antonio has a successful offense by attacking the mid range. Uh, Golden State has a successful offense by attacking the mid-range as well. So I I think that you're going to see this stuff sort of work itself out just through, I mean, coaching and analytics and stuff like that. They're going to figure out ways to run guys off the three-point line. And, and, you know, I think it's sort of self-correcting. It'll clean itself up. Interesting. Well, okay. The future of the, I'm going to do a video on this. Maybe I went on a lecture on this. The future of defense in the NBA will be you switch everything and then you bump the guy off who's on a mismatch. Like we've seen the, the Celtics do and certainly the Warriors, I think, do it better than anybody. And, that, and, and that's the one thing. And you're going to see oh, switching this- before the pick and roll as well. 
Right. You mean the scram switch? The scram so switch the is, is, yeah, let me go in yeah. order. Sorry. First, you're going to start seeing even more when the guy is going up to screen the ball that they're going to switch that. So you don't even have the mismatch in the beginning. And if you do get the mismatch where Steph is now on Harden, whatever, or no, uh, whatever, they, well, let's see, let's use the Cavs, for example, when Rozier is on LeBron and then they're switching Baines right off of him right away before they can attack that. We're going to see those two things, I think, become the norm. It's how you're going to play defense. More and more of a zony kind of a thing. And that's going to have to be another iteration of the offense to figure that out. The Cleveland Cavaliers tried in game three to cut LeBron down, the, down to the basket. And that was when he got that ridiculous catch and then floating in the air backwards firing across court to J.R. Smith who hits the three but in uh, Tatum's face it wasn't even an open right. shot but yeah. that was sort of at least there's an adjustment there they're trying to figure out what can, what can we do to attack that it's not how I would do it but either way I wanted to take a quick break to talk to you about simple contacts a convenient way to reorder your contact lenses that will save you money when my wife runs out of her contacts, it's normally a nightmare to renew her prescription and sometimes she's forced to wear her old ones for days until she finds the time to go out and pick them up. With Simple Contacts, they bring the doctor to you. You can take a vision test at home in under five minutes, then a real doctor reviews your test and writes you a new prescription. This isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it's the next best thing. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable and shipping is free. And you can also save $30 off your first Simple Contacts order with my code COACHNICK. So to save 30 bucks on those lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash coachnick or enter the code COACHNICK at checkout. Again, it's simplecontacts.com slash coachnick or just enter my code COACHNICK at checkout. Good question we have in the middle of the uh, comments here. Well, it's going to go to some comments a little bit earlier this time. Of course, where did it go? Um, here, eBear00 said, I, saw, I only saw the second half and noticed Capella wasn't out there. Um, I, I, know, I know we started the third quarter, but he, the question was, where was he injured? Um, I just think that, that D'Antoni very quickly abandons him when he feels like the game is going to get out of control. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. And I actually, again, going into the series, I expected this to happen game one. Um, I was actually very surprised Capella was able to stay out there and be as, as you know competitive as he was. And he was very good in game one, uh, and he was pretty good in game two. Um, but like you said, D'Antoni has, has this thing where uh, when it starts to go downhill, his instinct is to go smaller with the P.J. Tucker uh, and Bahamute at the five. Um, uh, even Ryan Anderson. I mean, Ryan Anderson actually would have been a good option tonight. I, better than Gerald Green, let's just put it that way. Well, better than the Bahamute. Uh, Right. Put a guy on, on KD who at least he can't just stand there and shoot over because Ryan Anderson's 6'10". Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's, it's more a confidence of the coach type thing, looking looking to actually spread the floor even more, add more shooting. Um, but with that being said, that that run in the third, the 10-0 the run, was that the third or late or second or late first? I can't remember. The 10-0 run, it's in my notes that I don't okay. have on me, but. <laughs> anyway, they went on like a 10-0 run, and, yeah. and, and that was where the game really started to fall apart for the Rockets. Uh, it was like 22-22, and the next thing you knew, it was 32-22. I think that that was about a wrap for, for Capella and as far as his leash goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's this has been stylistically uh, the series I kind of expected, minus Steph Curry forcing bad shots. Like That's, right. the, only, that's the only issue that, that I didn't anticipate. Right. Uh, ben Luxon asks, am I the only one that thought this was a really strange game? 
Um, you know, I think I think that it was strange in the first half, right? It was just sort of a weird, like nobody could quite get on track. They had that 10-0 run, uh, but like they couldn't separate more. There was a lot of sort of missed layups uh, on the Rockets and and even on the Warriors' end too, uh, and some really bad turnovers. I mean, I think that Steph Curry had the worst possession I've seen of him all uh, postseason long, where he literally he he created two turnovers in the same possession. <laughs> and um, that was a very Steph Curry possession. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's just so weird, and and you know what it's like I give like I give him the benefit of doubt because it doesn't always happen that way and he can balance it out with like really good shooting and, and make it the right play most of the time um, whereas you know you might think like why am I so brutal on Russ when he does that kind of stuff and it's like well Russ does it I think more often to some degree but you know what uh, at any rate but that was I will call it out when you see that that was just a, a disjointed uh, attack and so, but I think what we're all waiting for is we're sort of gotten to that point where remember back in baseball, whenever in the eighties, when it was like, wait for the Homer, you know, they wouldn't steal or whatever, 90, whatever that was, they just wait 90s, for the home run. Late 90s, and yeah. I feel like that's sort of what we're doing now. Just kind of wait for the, 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 the stretch where they get hot, both teams. And um, again, is that, uh, is that the way to play? However, with the Warriors, at least they, they are attacking on the catch. They are, you know, getting good movement off the ball and cutting and screens. Um, how many possessions do you think that the Rockets had where they actually, you know, had weak side movement and some action going on? I mean, it, a handful. There, there definitely were not many. Um, it, it's, you know, again, the things that worked for them in game two, they didn't, they didn't pull off tonight. They also missed a lot of bunnies in the first half. I mean, just, I, I, I lost track of how many layups they blew. And, mm-hmm. and, and you just can't do that against the Warriors. The war, you know the Warriors are going to pour it on, especially in the third quarter. You cannot you cannot let them get breathing room ahead of halftime, and, and you know the the Rockets just weren't able to capitalize on their opportunities. And I felt like early on in this game it was very much defensive minded game. Both teams were playing great defense, and, and you know the the Warriors just came out of the gate in the third, doing what they do in the third, and just I mean it was it was done. It was a wrap. About I don't know three minutes into the third. Oh yeah, and we must. Speaking of defense, we must uh, give credit to Swaggy P. He had he's had probably two or three of the best defensive possessions of the, of the series <laughs> that I've seen. He completely and utterly uh, shut down. I think both Harden and CP3 on, on two different possessions last game, and then he did it again tonight. Uh, back, and he back. got called got for a, a steal. Yeah, and he got called for a foul on one that was like you know he was playing. He was losing his chest. He wasn't reaching. Um, you know, this is the, and by the way, it's not completely out of the blue. We did see this a little bit under Luke Walton at the Lakers last year. Um, and, and, you know, if he can do that and give you three possessions like that, and, he, and I think he hit at least two threes in the, when the game was closer, right? Uh, two yeah. or three, like that's just, that's incredible gravy for them. That's, you know, he's as important. He's as valuable as, you know, Gerald Green on the other side or not, if not more. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic to see it, but yeah, the, the back-to-back possessions where he had a steal on Harden, which was a it was a positional steal like he caused him to lose the ball and then uh and then had great individual defense on Chris Paul basically stonewalled him at a three-point line and had a great contest on a three like a long contest on a three that that Paul missed uh like really short for so sure. uh and, yeah and, I, I thought it was it shout out to Robbie Rob 30 for mentioning that Nick Young low-key good good enough on ball defense uh so yeah go ahead sorry yeah well and and that's the key with Nick Young I think you want to keep him on the ball and this is why we keep seeing him on Harden and, and on Chris Paul. Because when he goes off the ball, that's when he falls asleep. And that's when you get problems. And, you know, it's okay. You can have guys like that. And they can be very good on the ball. And, you know, you just try to keep them, put them in position to succeed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a couple other guys. I thought 
I mean, Kavon Looney has been great defensively this entire series. I thought he was great again tonight. Um, and Jordan Bell looked pretty good out there. I mean, he had a couple of things that, you know, like look like rookie moments, uh, a little too much with the hands. This is why I like Looney so much on this Harden switch. He doesn't leave his feet. He keeps his hands back. So yeah. he, he's not going to get caught with his hands in a cookie jar. He's not going to put him on the line. Uh, he forces people into help. Jordan Bell's looking to make a play. And, and you need both, right? Like, that's that's a good yeah. kind of position to be in. Um, and so Jordan Bell's out there looking to make a play. Found Harden a couple times. Got caught on a travel uh, on the other end. But, yeah. you know, I thought his minutes were good. I mean, he was productive. And, and I don't have the box score in front of me because I'm just unprepared. But uh, <laughs> Well, that can be solved. He, I thought, yeah, I thought he was pretty good tonight. Yeah, Jordan Bell, there's something there. I think I sent you a DM in the middle of the game where I, when they had yeah. Jordan Bell, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green in the front court. And they probably Clay Thompson. I was like, there is something to that. And like I know a couple drives just disappeared amongst those guys. They could just smother the entire thing. So I really hope that Steve Kerr goes to that again. A, just because... This is a long game as well. You need to get Jordan Bell some of those minutes so that he's better next year and has more, you know, uh, experience going forward. Because again, he's going he'll he'll be Draymond 2.0. I think he's going to end up replacing him if, if they have to do that. So you might as well start getting him those minutes. But again, it's really tough because guess what? Looney is doing that same kind of role as well in a different physical way uh, that also helps him. But all I can say is it must be nice to be a coach that has guys like Jordan Bell on the bench and Kevon Looney that can come in and do what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's definitely a luxury. Yeah, as far as hang on, I, I gotta say something about Jordan Bell becoming Draymond. So Draymond actually has he's got a really nice command of the basketball, good handle, um, mm-hmm. and, and he's had that since he came into the league. Jordan Bell is gonna have to do some work to get there. So let's before people start jumping, I, like I know you know this, but before people start jumping on that one point, like this is a, Nick and I have talked about this before. Like he realizes Jordan Bell has got a ways to go. Right. Okay. So I just want to clarify that because I, I feel like people will jump on a comment like that and take it way out of context. Fair enough. And by the way, yeah. Draymond came in kind of already having that, right? And luckily Absolutely. he got the right. shot. But his rookie year, he was all right, right? Was, wait, wait. Was it his rookie year when he got the shot or was it his second year now? It was the second year. Oh, you know what? So I bet you Draymond probably looked somewhat similar his rookie year too now that I'm thinking about it. But either way, yeah. But he was a four-year player. He was yeah, older. That's true. And, I, and I've seen Bell, you know, with the passing, I've seen him being able to, with back to the basket, make those kind of passes that David West makes, you know. So he's got some of that. But you're right. It's just a matter of polish. And I, that's why he needs, he just desperately needs more experience out there. And it was frustrating he didn't get it earlier. But if he's going to keep it now, tonight he got only 10 minutes and a big blowout, which is, you know, he should have gotten more anyway. Uh, but he was plus 13. Uh, with there it the, is. You know, with the with zeros across except for the three rebounds. Uh, we got to steal. So, um, at any rate, we have some good questions out here. Do you want to grab one here? Oh, I lost yeah, my thing. Let's do it. Uh, okay, here we go. Two of them, and we'll, I'll do them in, in together because we can answer them both. Uh, Bishman03 asks, why are the Rockets having so many turnovers and their losses against the Warriors for games one and three? And then Danny Preston says, can you please discuss the difference in the Rockets' offensive pace and the ineffectiveness of it? So we have turnovers and the losses and pace. Uh, you want to grab part of that? Sure, I'll, I'll start with the pace. So uh, the, the Rockets actually had one of the lowest paces in the league uh, this season, which you know, if you only watch the NBA on TNT show, you wouldn't realize that. Um, but so they actually play a pretty <laughs> slow game Shame. usually anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's just be honest. It's yeah. an entertainment show. And, and so uh, their pace is, is generally pretty slow, uh, at least in the regular season. That's that's their game. Isolation, they do a ton of isolation. But they also have two of the best isolation scorers in the league. 
uh, and they scored at a ridiculous rate. Now, you're not going to ISO the Warriors to death. So you really do need to speed it up. And this is where uh, those guys are actually dead on. They need to speed it up. And they did that a little bit in game two. They didn't actually share the basketball any more than they did in game one. But the passes that they made were more meaningful passes because they had more stuff happening. They were looking to score more in transition. You know, their fast break points were, were much fast uh, coming in in greater numbers. And so that's the way that they can actually keep up with the Warriors is is attack on those defensive rebounds. Now, the Warriors have to miss for that to happen. And mm-hmm. we're like playing it simple, right? right. Um, and, and, and the Rockets have to get stops. And they just didn't do that tonight uh, in the second half, especially when the game got out of hand in the third quarter. Uh, so that's the, that's the key for the Rockets. They need to be able to score off of misses by the Warriors by grabbing the ball and, and just pushing the pace. And they just didn't do that tonight. They looked, they looked a little tired and a little slow. And, you know, you would think, I mean, you worry if, if and D'Antoni may even talk about this in the postgame, they might have had too long of a layoff. You know, they were off from Wednesday until Sunday night. I mean, that's, that's a long time for a team uh, at any point in the season. So, you know, D'Antoni famously was playing these guys, you know, I mean, late in games uh, when they already had the, the home court advantage locked up, you know, in blowouts and all these things because he thinks rhythm is so important. Right. So I, I wonder if he, if he feels like that layoff maybe contributed to how they played tonight. Uh, what was the first part? I forgot. Uh, it's about turnovers and the losses. And obviously, that's, that's, that, that is it. Like, most teams will lose when they turn the ball over like that. In fact, let's just look at the turnovers right now to see the total numbers. So the Warriors had uh, eight turnovers only, which is amazing for them. And then the Rockets had 19. So huge disparity there. And obviously, yeah, you can't win if you're going to you know, have that big of a disparity, and then plus the shooting. So, um, but the, the key here is the defense. I think that those are, those are not unforced turnovers for the most part. I bet you 14 of those were just like the Warriors digging the ball out, being physical, being at home. Let's face it, they got some calls, or they got some calls that weren't calls. Uh, that were probably could have been fouls in Houston, so that's another part of it. And that's what you have to deal with, you know, when you're on the road. So, uh, but I, I think that, I think think it's that. I think it's when the Warriors can can bring that force that the Kerr talks about. I'm not even sure I like that phrase or that term about bringing extra force because I don't know. I feel like these guys play hard whenever they're out there. It's not like they just right. don't play hard, but um, when they really are active and digging. Uh, it's it's hard, and they're blocking shots, and they're contesting at the rim, and and they don't do it all the time because it's really hard to do it all the time. That's the difference. That's when you see the Warriors get. That's the result of the process of all the extra energy they're bringing to the defensive end. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better. There you go. So, any other questions we have out there while we're here? Uh, yeah. Uh, Pre- Predator Hunter asks if uh, D'Antoni should listen to Reggie Miller and play ISO Joe more. Oh, I tweeted about that. I don't know. I, I, my first instinct would have been like, no, uh, right? He hasn't played at all, really. Um, but no, I don't know. No. Your first instinct is right. It, no. Okay. Play. Right. Play. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know. Remember, I remember when he first got there, they threw him out there and he looked okay. Um, but um, at this point, yeah, to introduce somebody like that, at this, you know, is probably not a good idea. But, hey, if they go down 3-1, it's an elimination game. And, you know, I don't know, throw out the kitchen sink. Kitchen sink, yeah. Let's see here. Um, any other good questions we have out here? Oh, because we can also talk about the Cavaliers. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, I watched that game today. And, uh, yeah, um, it's a make-or-miss league. And I thought your video was great. I, I thought your video really pointed out uh, exactly the difference, which was, you know, the, they were they were being more aggressive in the way that they were getting their shots, 
not just the shots, not just making more shots, but they were actually getting to their spots a little bit cleaner. Um, but to me, like ultimately after watching the game, it is a story of the Cavs shot 50% from three and shot a ton of them. And the Celtics couldn't buy a shot. Um, right. I, you know, you pointing out that they, they were getting the Rozier switch on the LeBron anytime they wanted. That's not good. Uh, the Celtics just looked a little disorganized. And, and I felt that your, your point about Brad Stevens, maybe overcoaching a little bit. I thought that was a good one. Uh, he yeah. definitely, it was a little bit of a panic in there. Um, I didn't understand the Yabusele minutes early. It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, I, I thought that they would just stick with Ojale, but it, it was it was weird. So there was some weird right. stuff in there. Yeah, and it was weird because he comes in and he goes underneath the ball screen on a, on a switch that shouldn't have occurred and to give up a three. And then he kind of cuts to the basket and, you know, Bain throws it away and blames him. It wasn't his fault. Um, and then there's another play where they got a, 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 a layup off of him, too. So there was like five points he gave up. And yet, in his three minutes, it was a plus two. So it was really strange to look at that. I can't even wrap my head around how that happened. But um, either way, it, it's just, again, like it's like playing Joe Johnson in the middle of the, of the series. I don't necessarily know why you'd want to go to him and put him in a situation as it is that early. So, uh, yeah, and, and by the way, like a lot of the shots the Cavs made were, were not easy by any stretch, and there's a lot of good defense being played. So I don't think that Brad Stevens has to hang his head too much, and I think he probably would have assumed that, yes, game three back in Cleveland is going to be the one where they're going to come out and do that. So um, not a lot of uh, reason to be too concerned. However, what was interesting right. was that I don't understand in game two why the Cavaliers completely abandoned getting Grozier onto LeBron. And, and just like it never existed, like they'd never thought. Yes, of it. like there's not a coach who's in charge of the offense. And all of a sudden in game three, like with some time in between or whatever, they could remind themselves <laughs> what works. And they went right to it again. And, you know, not, not a ton, a ton, but enough where we were, they were getting what they needed to get. So uh, I would I would hope that, that the message got through when they're going to now do that more often. And then, the you know, I, the Celtics are going to have to figure, you know, something else out to some degree or just, you know, get a little bit more active on the closeouts, I suppose. You, they almost blocked a few of those and they went in. So I don't know. I don't know what else you need to do at that point. Yeah, I mean, and like I said earlier, um, I, it's hard to go against LeBron even down 2-0, right? Now 2-1. It, it's just, I mean, if anybody can pull out the 20th uh, 2-0 comeback, it'd be LeBron, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Now, there's a good question out here about why JR seems to shoot better when he's contested. And I'm going to find... Doesn't. He, does, he doesn't. Uh, well, I mean, talking about like this, the, you know, the actual numbers. The actual yeah. numbers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the actual numbers, he doesn't. But okay. yes, it feels that way. That was KD, the kid five. I mean, I do think that there, there's something to the notion of less pressure when you don't think you need to make the shot, right? It's so contested. It's such a, it's a difficult shot that, hey, like perhaps you're a little more relaxed and kind of just sort of, sort of find the release you're looking for. Uh, I, I know that there are certain players that might make some of their shots a little bit harder just because of that, where they can just sort of shrug and be like, hey, man, what do you want? It was a tough shot. I, you know, you know. So I, I think there might be something to that. But okay, I'm glad to know that the numbers kind of don't bear that out because he is a good yeah, shooter and, yeah. <laughs> and he should make him when he's open um but but we, we there is some anecdotal evidence i suppose to like when he does make some of those um so what what else we want to talk about as far as the uh so what do you think about game th- uh, four for the celtics and the Cavs tomorrow uh you know I, I mean i guess if if the celtics can hit some shots they've got a shot but uh if they're gonna shoot like they did in game three it's 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 over it'll be two two going back to boston and and 
that is not a scenario that Boston wants to be in. I mean, they definitely want to get that 3-1 lead. Uh, and even then, it's not safe, as we've seen from LeBron. But, uh, you know, I, I imagine that they'll they'll self-correct and, and they'll take game four. Okay. Um, That's my prediction. I mean, what I all I could tell from the three games is that the Boston Celtics have a better team. And, you know, in the long run, you would think that they would put themselves in positions to win. I don't know why Horford came out such like such a little wimp. Uh, he just and they all kind of came out that way. But he was passing up shots. He was looking so tentative out there and letting them get into his face and steal the ball on that on that one, like three that he kind of got caught up in the air, trying to pass in the LeBron. Just took it. So, yeah. you know, that probably won't happen again. So that's one thing. Um, and so I hope we get a good game at least. I think that's at this point all I want to – I don't want any more blowouts. It was really a terrible game to watch. Not that I'm against the Cavaliers winning, but, you know, it was over in the middle of the second quarter, maybe even earlier. And you could tell. Everybody knew it. And so it was just not – you know, I, I mean, I, I kind of lamented. I could have been out with a lady going to see Deadpool 2. <laughs> Which, by the way, is awesome. Well, here's the thing. Deadpool 1 was so good. I mean, I think it's my favorite of all the Marvel movies. And my only amendment is I can't take my kid to see it because it's so freaking dirty. But um, I love that movie. And I really, and and I'm like, I don't understand how people, how it could be better, how the the second one could be better, even though everyone seems to be saying that. It's better. It's amazing. Okay. It should, it should, it should win an award of some sort. Okay. This episode brought to you by Marvel Studios and Deadpool Deadpool 2. Uh, okay, well, you know, and by the way, Ryan Reynolds is my my crush. So uh, you know, I, I one day I'm going to become good friends with him and hang out with him. That's my plan. Okay, I think we I think we would get along. Uh, but I, I liked him all the way from back uh, on two girl, two girls a guy in a pizza place, whatever that was. I mean, I, I recognize him yeah. as that kind of Bill Murray guy from even back then. And it, it was just a matter of time until he got the right role that let him do that. And you know, he's sort of. Uh, has been missing it until I think now this might be the finally the one he's got. So anyhow, um, let's see here. Any other questions we see here in the, the uh, comments as we start to wrap up our show? Um, here's one uh, from Demetrius. Oh, wait, Make it happen. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody anyway, <laughs> uh, over the history of the NBA is hero ball dominant teams. Do, do hero ball dominant teams have more success than motion offenses? Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, hero ball, all of LeBron's is, would be hero ball, right? Would we say that or not? Uh, Maybe no. one of the heat, heat, the heat titles? Yeah. Or two of the heat titles? Okay. I don't know. Um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm biased toward, you know, motion offenses. So I'm, I'm – I, you probably are too. We might be the wrong people to ask, uh, yeah. answer this question. But I, I, it might be reasonable to say that in the, in the grand scheme of things, the macro sense – you know, it, it has worked. I mean, I can even think about like when the Sixers lost to the Blazers in 77, you know, and that was sort of hero versus motion. You know, we, we've had that throughout the years. And so I think in the long run, eventually uh, it, it does win out. But it might be close um, and there might be a, certainly an argument for it. But uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I just think it's from a lot of different reasons. It's, it's it works better when you when you move the ball, you have, you have a happier team because I don't I mean, certainly the Cavaliers aren't happy playing with each other. You know, that's that's very clear. Now, that could be just because of different, um, you know, uh, personalities and that kind of thing. But uh, from what I've heard, you listen to Windhorse talk about it. It sounds like these guys hate each other. And it's possible that playing a, game, a, a, a style like the Warriors fosters camaraderie a little bit, a little bit more. Right. So Deadpool was awful. There wasn't a single sentence where he didn't curse. 
Okay. Well, if you don't like cursing, then you're not going to like that. Why did you go see Deadpool? Come on. Come on. Katie, on Inside the NBA, where are your guests? Ooh, that's a good question. We should get some guests in, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. Uh, uh, We've had Snotty Drippin' in the the comments angling. Oh, is he? He's, is he angling again? I didn't, I missed that. Okay. You know what? We'll do that for the next one because it's easier to bring in. I can bring up in up to three or four people at the same time. So there we uh, go. I, we'll set it up. We'll do it like because I was just thinking about that. I watch you know some of the political shows and they do that. They have a one on one for a few minutes and they go to a three panel thing. Let's do that. Let's let's simulate that. Let's do that all summer long. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Well, great show, Dave. Always great to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed talking to me. Yeah, it's a good time. Okay. And um, you, you sound great coming from uh, San Antonio. and the, the, your, your, Live uh, from the yeah. laundry room. Live from the laundry room. So looking forward to you getting some, uh, some furniture at some point. Yeah, it'll be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyhow, great stuff. We will be right back here again. I guess it's, it's tomorrow, Monday night, for the uh, Game 4 of the Celtics and the Cavaliers uh, post-game show. So you'll be with me, right? I will be. All right, so don't go anywhere. Stay here on Periscope until for 24 more hours until we're back. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? You in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>